Thank you. If you can, please uh, grab your Bible, your electronic device, or whatever it is that you look at uh, God's Word on, and go to Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 through 17. That's where we're going to be at today. But before we get started, let's, let's pray. Uh, Father God, Father, as we look into your holy word, Father, we pray now that you will open our hearts, open our minds. Father, let us receive from your Holy Spirit what it is you want us to learn today. And Father, as always, we give you the praise, the honor, and the glory for all things, because you are God. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Well, now I have to tell you a little story about this passage. Uh, Actually, Eva's not here. So, this is part of... uh, this passage was used in an Epiphany Ministry teaming of, for several weeks. And what Epiphany Ministry is, it's a ministry to incarcerated youth. And God had blessed us in a powerful way because he was allowing us to go into Bon Air Correctional Center. And we've been praying since 1998, I think it was, that Bon Air would be open to that ministry. And what year is this? 2017. God was faithful to those prayers, and he let us in. And we had a powerful weekend. But now Eva was the, was the weekend uh, leader, weekend lay director for that, that ministry. And when we were first started talking about ministry and going in there, I asked her, I said, what passage is God speaking to you through? Because I've always found with Epiphany and the leaders that God speaks through a particular scripture to them. And this was the passage, Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 through 17. Now, we had some other members of Chester Christian Church that were on that team. And, and really, the Epiphany ministry has grown so much over the years that it just amazes me that everything that God is doing. But now, let's go to Colossians three twelve through 17. Therefore, as God's chosen people, and I'm reading from the NIV, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Since as members of one body, we are, we're called to peace and be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. You see, for me, in the process of reading this passage each week and meditating on it, I began to make a connection to this passage and to Paul. As I prepared for the chapel meditations that we would have each week during the teaming process, I saw that there were several things in this passage that spoke to me. I'm going to share those with you today. So now you're going to become an epiphany team, and we're going to have four or five chapel services all at one time in one sermon. Now, let's look at verse 12. 
Paul says to clothe yourself. But what does he tell you to clothe yourself with? Compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. You see, here in Colossians, Paul is telling us to get dressed, much like a man or a woman would have in the first century, to put on multiple layers of robes. He's telling us to put on our outer garment, and these are the elements that we're going to use. You see, in Ephesians chapter 6, do you remember where Paul tells us to put on armor? You know, he tells us to put on the armor like a Roman soldier would, to be ready to go into battle. But here in Colossians, Paul is saying, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Clothe yourself not for battle, but for comfort and protection from the elements that we will encounter. These same virtues Paul writes about uh, to the Galatian church in uh, Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 to 23. He writes about the fruit of the Spirit, doesn't he? You remember those? But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such thing there is no law. You see, in this passage, Paul is telling the church at Galatia that they will have this fruit if they live by the Spirit. But now Paul is telling the church in Colossae not only to have this fruit, but to cover themselves in this fruit. Paul tells the church in Galatia that they will have this fruit In Colossae, he wants them to cover themselves with this fruit. So a Colossian robe is made from compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. These qualities have a purpose. They allow us to forgive and to live with each other in Christian community. These qualities allow us to do ministry together. These qualities are proof that the Holy Spirit is working in us and in the church. Now let's read on as Paul describes how the robe works. Verse 13. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. Bear with each other. What does that mean? It means that we should come alongside each other with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. We should be able to to overcome conflict or not even become into conflict with these qualities. So what is Paul doing? Paul is heading off conflict in the church. There are other things that are going on in the New Testament time. But Paul knows that this fruit of the Spirit are the virtues needed to have peace and unity in the church at Colossae. Paul is seeing the effect of disunity in the early church. You know, in Philippi, there were two, one, two women. They were Paul's fellow workers, and they were in a disagreement with each other. Paul writes to the church in Philippians 4, two, uh, verses 2 through 3, for the church to help them to resolve the issue. Now, in Corinth, Christians are taking other Christians to court. Paul writes about that in 1 Corinthians 6, 1 through 8. Paul says to stop it. 
There is to be people within the church that can help to resolve these things. You see, throughout the New Testament, we see Christians are under attack from the outside of the church, don't we? But we also see that there are attacks from within the church. You know, I believe that those Christians were becoming the mouthpiece of Satan, spreading hate and discontent within the early church. But the Colossian Christians' robe will stop conflict on the, side, on the inside of the church from happening if it is used. So let's read on. Colossians chapter 3, verse 14. And over all of these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. So now a belt becomes part of the robe. A belt becomes part of the ensemble. A belt that will keep any wardrobe malfunction from happening. Have you ever worn a robe without a belt? I, I never wore, really wore a robe, but I'm sure things can kind of get out of hand. But, a, but the belt brings it all together. A belt cinches it all together, doesn't it? Love is so powerful that it brings everything together. Love makes the robe happen. You see, Jesus said about love in John 13, verse 35, he said, By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. Now, isn't that a powerful statement from the Lord? The people on the outside will know that we are truly disciples by the love that we show for one another. Paul wrote about love to the church in Corinth. I, I did a wedding the other week, and I read this, this passage in that, in that wedding. And it, it's used lots of times in the wedding. It's 1 Corinthians 13. But I just want to look at uh, not the whole chapter, but just uh, 4 through 7. You know, Paul writes, he says, Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, and always perseveres. Love never fails. Love is what holds us together, isn't it? As a church... It should be. Love for one another. Love for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Shouldn't that be what holds us all together? Think about it. The love that we have is important to keep the church together. Paul knew this, and he knew that we needed to have other qualities. But now when we are clothed and belted, what's going to happen? Colossians 13 verses, I mean 3 verses 15 through 17. Let's look at verse 15. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace and to be thankful. Now, how does the peace of Christ rule in our hearts? You know, I believe it's the Holy Spirit in action that allows that to happen. 
the Holy Spirit working in us. You see, if we have the fruits of the Spirit, or the fruit of the Spirit, then we will have the Spirit that is in us helping us. You know, when we, do, when we, are, we want to do something that may cause conflict or division or, or just, you know, set somebody off by the words or actions that we do, it's the Holy Spirit that directs us to peace. I believe it's the Holy Spirit that tells us with that still, small voice, wait a minute, why would you say that to that person? Why would you give that person a word of discouragement? Why would you ruin that person's day by saying something like that or doing something that would discourage them? You know, I truly believe that Satan uses us at times to discourage others in the church. We believe that there's something that's so important that needs to be said, when in reality it really doesn't need to be said. If we have compassion and humility and those other qualities, then we will be more, more Christ-like. If we are robed and obedient, when the Holy Spirit will direct us in the proper way to handle tough situations. Verse 16, let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. You see, when we are focused on the message of Christ and on Christ himself, we will not even, we will not even have the opportunity to mess things up. Now, believe, you, believe me, the, you know, in, in the Epiphany ministry, we all come from different churches. We all come from different denominations. And it amazes me how this team of people can come together with a single purpose to do God's ministry in a prison and not have conflict. I mean, we, we come from d- different denominations. We have different beliefs as far as, you know, way things should be done. But we set all of that aside. We don't debate baptism. We don't debate things about the Holy Spirit. We set all of that aside. Matter of fact, sometimes we we don't even debate what kind of food we're going to have. But (laughs) Sandy knows (laughs) she had the kitchen duty last time. But we come together with a single purpose. We come together with our focus on Christ. We come together in ministry to reach out to a group of young people. And all of that drops away. None of that matters. Our purpose is clear. What verse was I on? 16. If Christ is at the center of the church, as you do ministry, you are going to lift each other up. You're going to feel that. You're going to come alongside each other. You're going to work together. There's not going to be division. Verse 17. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. You know, where is our focus? What are you focused on? What are we focused on? 
If we are focused on honoring Jesus, if we are focused on honoring God, if we are properly clothed with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, then the peace will be there. The peace will be there. That's the blessing that we receive. You know, I love Paul, and I love the fact that sometimes he will give you something that seems kind of out of place in his letter. And you really must look back or look, at a, you look throughout the letter to see what he's talking, what he's, what he's directing you to focus on. You remember, Paul's letters were meant to be read at a single sitting. It was a letter written to the church. Some of them were longer than others. The Colossians letter was, was definitely short enough that it, nobody would have fallen asleep. Matter of fact, if I'd been reading it, we probably would have been done by now. But remember that Paul's letters were meant to be read as a whole, not to take them out of context. They came to the churches and were read out loud in front of the church. They were not divided into chapters and verses. The passages were not pulled out of context. You know, a lot of times we don't see that till later in time. The Colossian letter would have definitely been read entirely to the church in one session. But I saw an out-of-place statement when I did that, when I read the letter all the way through. You see, if we continue in Colossians, we see this out-of-place statement in chapter 4. It's a statement that points us back to an earlier part of the letter. So open up your Bible. Well, you should already have it open. Y'all been paying attention? Let me open up mine now. All right, so the passage that Eva gave me, if you look at chapter 3, the passage that Eva gave me was in the first part, and then Paul goes, uh, starting with verse 18, he starts talking about Christian households and instructions for households. And then he continues through there, and then he comes to chapter 4, and he starts talking to to masters how they should uh, uh, take care of their slaves. And then, if you read down just a little bit further, uh, verse 2, is he's talking about devoting yourself to prayer and to pray for him and to pray for his ministry um, and to pray that he may proclaim it clearly. But then you get to verse 5. Verse 5 says, Be wise in the way that you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Now, what's an, who's an outsider? If the letter's to the church, then who is an outsider? People, people of the world, people outside the church. So here he sticks this comment in there about, about outsiders. And he says, Let your conversation be always full of grace seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Now don't you sit there and you look at that and you say, Well, Paul, give me more. But really what Paul is doing is he's directing you back to something that he had written earlier. Matter of fact, it was before the passage that Eva had given me. You see, when we look, when we look back into chapter 3, verses 5 through 10, we see where he's directing us. 
Paul says, put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must also rid yourselves of all such things as anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practice, and have put on a new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge and the image of its its creator. Paul wants us to remember where we came from. He wants us to remember who we were before we were Christians. You see, if we don't remember who we were before we were Christians, how are we going to be able to reach those that are lost? How are we going to be able to share the message of Jesus Christ with them? We cannot continue to live this sinful life, but we are still part of this sinful world. We cannot put on our Colossian robes on and ignore the world. In other words, we cannot focus entirely on this church and ignore the world outside of us. The danger with churches are that they begin to separate themselves and we begin to separate ourselves from the world and lose the ability to witness to those that are not like us. You know, one of the things with Epiphany Ministry is we're a bunch of old white people, mostly, and we go to prison. Isn't that right, Arthur, old white people? That's... We're, we're getting to that old, <laughs> that old part <laughs> too quickly. But we're a bunch of old white people. Now, incarcerated young people, they're a mix of our entire community. But they're younger. They're, they don't know us. So what do we have to do? We have to meet them where they are. We have to meet them where they are. We have to meet them in their sin. You know, lots of times they're incarcerated for something that that is is terrible. And then some of them are just, just there because they made bad decisions. A lot of them are there for that reason. But we have to meet them where they are. You know, we have to think back to a time when we were like them. You know, when we reach out to people in the world, we have to think back to a time before we were saved, don't we? Because people of the world, they use different language, don't they? Some of it may offend us there for the first few times. They tell stories that we wouldn't tell. But we have to set that aside. Because you can't correct somebody that doesn't have Jesus. Correcting them is not going to get you anywhere. But you have to meet them where they are. See, we become like the Pharisees and expect everyone to be like us. That's a danger. We, we think that everybody should be sinless and holy, separated from the world and its sin. We lose touch with the lost. We don't talk to someone because of the language they use or the stories they tell. You know, Paul says, be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Be wise. He wants us to think about what we say, what we're going to say and do. Make the most of every opportunity. 
Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace. What is the best kind of conversation to have with someone that's not saved? One that shows them the love of Jesus Christ. One where you share what Jesus has done in your life. Full of grace means that we are compassionate towards them. I like the part where he says, seasoned with salt. You know, we are supposed to be the salt of the world, aren't we? You know what that means to me? That means speaking biblical truth. And I'm not saying chapter, you know, book, chapter, verse, and then beating them with it. You can speak biblical truth without quoting scripture. You just bring it into the conversation. And it allows something for the Holy Spirit to use in their lives. You see, even in the midst of living the Christian life, Paul wants us to remember those who are lost. He wants us to remember where we came from. Because lots of times we forget that, don't we? He wants us to be prepared to interact with the people of the world in a a genuine way, not a fake way. Meeting them where they are in their sin, just like Jesus would. You see, that is what epiphany is about. But that is what the church should be about. Meeting people of the world where they are and speaking God's truth into their lives. Our conversations should always be full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. You know, what people tell me one of the greatest fears of going into prison ministry isn't a prison riot. It's having to sit at a table with a young person and be able to carry on a conversation with them. Their greatest fear is the questions that they're going to ask them. But you know what I tell them? Just be real. Meet that young person where they are and be real. Tell them what Jesus is doing in your life or has done in your life. And speak truth. So why do we need, the, why do we need this robe that, that Paul is talking about? And why do we need the belt that's on it? If Paul was from the south, I think he would say, clothe yourself so you don't be acting a fool. I think that's the way he would put it, if he was from south Judea. We are to be about reaching the lost, aren't we? I mean, the Lord said it before he left. Make disciples, didn't he? But what have we become? We've become more concerned about other things in the church, haven't we? And it's happened over time. And I'm not, I don't, don't get, I'm, I'm not preaching to y'all, okay? <laughs> don't think that I'm up here saying something is wrong here and you've got to fix it. I'm talking about the church of the world. The church. All Christians. We've lost our focus. We've become too concerned about too many other things. Social injustice. Things like that. Yes, there are things going on in this world that we are not going to be able to fix. But what we need to do is the number one thing we were given. To share Jesus. To tell the story. 
You know, we will never have it all together. But when we allow the Holy Spirit to rule in our lives, when we have the peace of Christ in our churches, and we are, in, and we are focused in doing ministry in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God, the Father through Him, then we will see amazing things happen. You see, I believe everything that's written in this book. I believe from the very beginning to the very end. And there's the book of Acts. And I was taught as a child to ignore the book of Acts pretty much. Everything that the Holy Spirit did in the book of Acts those days were over with. You know what? I don't believe that. I don't believe that now. I've seen too much. I've seen too many different things. I've seen God work in powerful ways. I believe that if we are a church that is properly focused, we will speak with the boldness found in Acts. We will see people saved by the power of the Holy Spirit just like in Acts. And we will see the miracle of Acts in our churches today. This book is for real. Everything in it is true. The Holy Spirit is just as much, just as much wants to be a part of this church as he was with the early church. We have to be open to that. Now we're at a, power, a point in our service where we got two options, or you have two options. Let me say this, you can be either real or you can be fake. And what do I mean by that? Real means that you realize the situation that you're in. You realize that you can't do life alone. And you realize that you need prayer for something that's going on in your life. Now, if you're on the, on the prayer team, or even, even if you're not, you are right now. You've just all been sworn into the prayer team. If you're sitting here today, and the burdens of life are weighing you down, Pray with somebody. I don't care if it's a person beside you. If you come up, pray with somebody. Right, right in the next few minutes during this song. That God will work in your life. That God will work in that situation. That things will become better. If you don't have anything to pray for, pray for me. Pray that I'll get better. And that the next service will, will get the message that they need to hear. Pray for our president. Pray for our country. Now, you can be fake. And i tell you what fake is. Fake is you going out there, getting in your vehicle, driving home. Keeping that mask on that you came in with. The mask, it says, everything's okay. You know, everybody, you know, how's your day? Everything's okay. I had a good week. Yeah, 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 it's been a good week. But it really hasn't. Everything's falling apart, hasn't it? You're just covering it up because you don't want to be real. You can be fake and you can leave and, and that will ride out with you. As we sing this next song, be real. Be real. That's We're, we're called to share each other's burdens, at least to pray for each other. My brother Russell needs healing. He was in the hospital. He's here. Praise God. 
You know, some of you are going through some, some heavy stuff. So let's do that now. If you want prayer, come up if you, or grab the person beside you. But let's be real in this time, in these next few moments. Let's pray together. Father God, Father, we praise you. We praise your Holy Spirit. Father, you are the powerful God of creation. You are the one that spoke the world into existence. And Father, we give you the praise, the honor, and the glory. Father, thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. And it is in the strong name of Jesus Christ that we pray. Amen. I invite you to stand. If you have a need uh, that you would like somebody to pray for, uh, our prayer team is up here. Um, or like uh, Tom said, just grab the person next to you. Um, you can stand. You can kneel. Uh, just, just whatever it is, just, uh, just bring it before the Lord this morning.